0: that's what i'm saying the text is like an object it's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing i don't know hello
1: can you hear me can you hear
0: me i missed you baby sweet it was a day Hmm? it was a day
1: seeing this too from seattle we are drinking the movies welcome back to drinking the movies today joining me is anna harrison as always i have to introduce her as our resident marvel expert and uh, mcu phase writer of one through three phases thank you for joining me today anna to talk about one of your
0: loves marvel Thank you. Also, I want to say that I showed this, or I made a friend listen to the, I didn't make him. I suggested that a friend listen to the Dr. Strange podcast. And the first thing he told me was the intro was really awkward. So Eric, shout out to you for calling me awkward. I hope this is even worse.
1: That's a very awkward introduction that you just got finished with. No, that's Um, exactly the plan. Those uh, carefully considered words, Um, very professional of you
0: as always
1: Um, well without any more belaboring let's get into first impressions of David O. Russell's return to the screen in Amsterdam starring John David Washington, Margot Robbie and Christian Bale Harold, I don't know what you think you're doing excuse me, hello got a dead white man in a box not even a casket doesn't even have a top on it in a pine box of old wood
0: Who do you think is going
1: to get in trouble here? Do me a favor. Try to be optimistic. You don't get here without things starting a long time ago. So, two soldiers and a nurse found ourselves in... Amsterdam. Amsterdam. is one of the finest innovations from Zurich. it removes all pain guys like me we have to turn to booze the morphine and that can lead to addiction oh that's
0: fast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is advanced.
1: <laughs> all right anna that is the trailer for david o russell's amsterdam what do you think
0: um so i haven't seen a david o russell movie uh yeah uh sorry so the only thing i know about him is like how he's really mean on set uh and like terrible so uh that's the only thing i know about him i don't i mean like i think this looks fine i think i i think if the cast was not the cast i would be less interested um but i think the fact that the cast is so stacked with a bunch of good actors and also taylor swift that You know That is what's piquing my interest rather than the actual trailer or contents that I saw itself.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, I obviously haven't worked on a David O. Russell set, so I can't speak to that. But I think that if you look at the consistency of his collaborators, he's definitely passionate, but he doesn't seem to be as overtly toxic now as he was, especially early in his career. If you go look at the stories of like Three Kings and stuff like that, right when he was Mm -hmm. starting out. Um, But this is his first film back since Joy. And if you happen to see me watching this trailer for the first time just now, I depicted that word. I did. Yeah. Love David O. Russell quite (laughs) a bit. And this is what I like about him. His conversation pieces. I mean, what inspired casting to get Christian Bale wearing a prosthetic eye again right? First in the big short, now here. It can only be as good as the big short. Um, Margot Robbie seemed like the the more quiet link, at least on the trailer, Um, but I really liked the sense of tone and place that I was getting from the film, and I'm probably going to absolutely love it, just as I expected.
0: Good. Great. (laughs) I'll probably see it. I don't really know.
1: I, I hope that I can talk you into it. Um, is there anything else you want to say about it? Or should we hop over to the trailer for Dan, Dan Trachtenberg's Prey?
0: Um, I just want to say that I think it was pretty rude that all of the actors got like individual names except for Alessandro Nivola and M- Matthias Schoenertz. Yeah, whatever. The guy, the, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but you know, Farmer Oak and Far From the Matting Crowd. Wow. They should have gotten individual names too. That's all I'm saying. They deserve it.
1: well, i'll I'll forward that note to the trailer editors.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. Ah uh, well, without further ado, let's look at Dan Trachtenberg's prey.
0: There's something out there. <laughs>
1: All right, Anna, our second Marvel tie-in of the day out of two already, Prey, which stars Amber Mid-Thunder, who was um, a significant character in the Marvel FX show Legion, Um, and Dan Trachtenberg's Huh? Great show. It was a fantastic show. I'm glad that you agree. I wasn't sure that you'd seen it. Um, And Dan Trachtenberg's follow-up, I believe this is his first film since 10 Cloverfield
0: Lane, or there may have been one in between.
1: But what do you think of the trailer?
0: Well, as I was saying before we started recording, never seen a Predator movie, so knowing nothing, um, I think it looks pretty interesting. Obviously, I don't know like the deep lore or anything behind this. Um, so, but I liked the like meshing of, uh, I don't know. At one point, there was like a looked like a laser pointer on some guy's. Yeah. Base right? So it was like this cool meshing of like that future, like modern slash futuristic technology. And then like, I don't know when this is set, but like early, early Americas with, uh, I don't know, when is it set?
1: I mean, it's gotta be the 1600s or okay. earlier probably, but according to the synopsis, it's 1719 on the Great Plains. Oh, interesting. So I'm wrong.
0: Okay. Oh, well, anyway, like that was a cool little mashup. So it looks intriguing to me knowing absolutely nothing about anything
1: yeah i don't think that the lore is too important i know that's something that you do tend to be a fan of but i think that the films either work or they don't work um the first predator i think works immensely and this seems to be showcasing what he did really well in 10 cloverfield lane which is this kind of claustrophobic feeling even though we're on the great plains that whole trailer made me feel like she was very much stuck and had Mm. to hide and run and um fight to to live as the or fight to survive as the um the trailer put it um i don't know that as the film plays out and we see more of this cg that it'll be blended properly there was a That invisibility didn't look particularly convincing, at least on the screen that I was watching it on just now in the trailer. Um, But, you know, we'll wait to nitpick the CG until we see it.
0: Sure, sure.
1: Um, Well, if there's nothing else, then let's get on to Taika Waititi's Thor Love and Thunder. The only ones who gods care about is themselves. This is my vow. All gods shall die.
0: I just want to say that was very, very impressive what you did back there. It's
1: just my first bad guy.
0: You never forget your first.
1: the other gods have something worth fighting for. All right, Anna, I know that you don't have anything to say about Thor Love and Thunder, so we should probably just move on to the other titles. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I concur. Although um, I will say I think, well, I think I have less to say about this than some others, and I think that's a bad thing.
1: Oh, well, at least you're yeah. willing to say it's not perfect. That's great progress.
0: Hey, I... Hold on. I think I've been very <laughs> willing in the past that things are not perfect. Okay. Thank you.
1: Yes. But for I'll this like conversation credit. and all of the critiques that I'm going to have, I think that it's going to, I think that we may come to a clashing of heads on some takes. Mm, okay. Um, but why don't you kind of outline properly within the MCU phase four and the, the film kind of what the synopsis is or what's going
0: on here? Um, well, as, as we know, Thor is, he is, he's had a lot of people die recently. And so he's a little sad. Um, cause so his dad died. Well, first his mom died then his dad died. Then his brother died multiple times. And then Jane dumped him off screen and Thor Ragnarok, Jane being Natalie Portman's character, who was not in Ragnarok because Natalie Portman was like, I'm done with Marvel and then Taika Waititi was like, "Come back," and she was like, "Okay." Um, so he's depressed. Um, oh gosh, it's like, uh, sorry. The thing is, like, I just feel like the plots of so many Marvel movies recently have just been like, get from point A to B, and like, that's it. And know, add like, in no a interesting... new side
1: character that has superpowers by the end. Don't forget yeah, that. Yeah,
0: but but there's like no interesting detours or anything like it's literally just such a straightforward whatever that's a whole different thing um anyway i have the video game
1: complaint about this and a second film we'll talk about but yeah it definitely Mm -hmm, feels like fetch quest
0: yeah um but the film actually opens with christian bale uh who's gore the god butcher who maybe butcher who butchers one god i think on screen which is you know what In the an edit, we someone. saw yeah. one butchering. Yeah. Yep, Um, but his daughter—they're—they're they're dying, and so he's praying to his god to save them. And obviously, nothing happens, and his daughter dies. And then he ends up finding the god, and the god's like, "I don't care." And then he finds this the necro sword, uh, which is a sword that can kill gods. And then he kills that god, and is like, "I hate gods because they don't do anything." And then it's like, oh, we're back to Thor. He's depressed, but it's also funny. And the Guardians of the Galaxy are there. And um, yeah, there's not a whole lot of connective tissue, I would say, between this and the rest of the MCU. Uh, Like, at least, like, obviously there's connection to the previous Thor movies and the Guardians are in it for like 15 minutes. um, But it doesn't rely a lot on, you know, previous installments other than just having a background knowledge of the character, which that is pretty refreshing. I think other things, not so refreshing, but what can you do?
1: Uh, you can expect better.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, <clears throat> okay. That, that is a, a fair assessment of uh, kind of the overall stuff of the film. I think that my um, reading of it is probably in line with yours. My sensibilities maybe are just a little bit more stern. Um, Mm -hmm. The opening sequence with Christian Bale, I thought looked actively bad and was a really slow, bad way to introduce the film. I understand why you would do that narratively, um, but I would say that a lot of these issues in the film probably do squarely belong at Taika's feet and his co-writer who I don't remember the name of. I know she wrote *Unpregnant*, I think, and maybe has a couple other titles under her belt. But this is, uh, you know, notable departure from the, the I think quality writing and understanding of rules that Thor Ragnarok actually had underneath it. You know, it was from Jennifer the team K- that made it.
0: Jennifer Robinson.
1: Okay, there we go. And she yeah. she worked on *Unpregnant*, right?
0: And um, yes,
1: a couple other features. And I think *Sweet
0: Vicious*, this TV show um anywho
1: yeah um so i think that the the writing is kind of where the problems for this begin and if you just go back and you look at thor ragnarok and the writing team there and how well they understood um kind of the interplay of characters between hulk and thor and the worlds and everything it it was a lot more controlled within the the universe to me Mm -hmm. um whereas this is like he figures out what's canon and then just kind of lets loose on it, you know, with the, um, the, the goats, which I do like seeing, but, um, I, I don't know that that played particularly well. Um, and then I really think that it loses control of its tonality due to the editing. Um, from what I could dig up, there's at least four editors for this film. And that's just such a mishmashing of tones. And I think it really showed up for me uh, on the IMAX screening when they were changing aspect mm-hmm. ratios. On the Comet particularly, um, it was just really, really wonky. And then there's all my problems with the CG and everything. But <laughs> how do you feel about the noises that I'm making?
0: Um, I mean, I feel like, uh, well, at least for me, not to say that these criticisms of like editing and also I mean the the visual effects did look bad they I don't there's been a consistent problem in phase four where I think they have simply overextended themselves and then um the visual effects almost basically across the board have not looked great there are moments where it looks good but I like uniformly no it's been it's been a no from me um I was reading a couple pieces
1: some were like properly published some were just twitter threads of artists that work for the contracted firms i don't Mm -hmm. know if you saw any of those where they're mocking up like multiple different ideas for the same exact scenes and they're not getting any feedback until like a month before it all needs to be finalized yeah and that's like unheard of it, for quality images, like if you were to compare that, say to Avatar two, which took 10 years, mm-hmm. like just the animation differences are yeah. glaring. And um, I'm sure that you know more about what the animation um, timelines looked like in like phase two and phase three. But those those CG images I think did look a lot better up until something like Black Panther where I actively remember how bad the wall scene looked where everybody was like sitting in the pocket in the wall during the The, at the waterfall exactly
0: yeah yeah Yeah. it's definitely um, I feel like they're doing too much too fast and I think the quality was much better when it was more controlled and slimmer Um, but Anyway, so but to say, I think a lot of my criticisms, at least with this net, this phase four of the MCU so far, um, just because like I, you know, my love of Marvel is mostly rooted in the characters. It's not like oh, I really think that uh, this, you know, Iron Man two. Well, that's a bad example because that's a bad movie. Never mind. But it's like So you want like, a good
1: movie, Thor: The Dark
0: World? <laughs> okay. Wow. Well. Okay. Um, but anyway, my. Love of Marvel is mostly rooted in like the characters and um, their arcs and everything. And I feel like phase four has kind of dropped the ball on that where they will just kind of, I don't know, just kind of like assume that people will care about these characters from previous installations and they don't actually give anyone anything that significant to do. Um, Or they do, but it's like, it's hidden underneath all the the plot machinations or like the bad visual effects or I don't know. It just all seems like nothing has the weight that things kind of did in phase one and two when they were trying more to set up things. This is just kind of like, oh, we're continuing this thing and people already like it. So we're not really going to pay attention to, you know, we're going to have some throwaway lines about Thor pushing people away because he's lost a bunch of people, but we're never going to show any of that. We're just going to assume that people follow along and care still. Which and is agree. Not, yeah. Which is not true. And it's also very frustrating because as someone who's, again, love of the MCU is founded on the characters to see no one really care anymore is uh very, maddening because i'm like because i don't again and i had the same problem with dr strange i feel like there are very interesting kernels there interesting places to take these characters that are right there and then they don't really follow through on anything so that most of my complaints about this movie come from that um but i mean i will agree i think also just um technically it was not it was not that great most of the time there were a few moments where i was like this is cool most of the time no
1: <laughs> yeah um so technically i i think you you keep bringing up dr strange i think that that's the severe um thing that i would point to towards why i like that at all and why i mm-hmm. really don't yes. like this is yeah. the technical proficiency that Ramy showed behind the camera and because it's some level yeah. in my head i'm like he can't control the things that i get to see he Like writing wise, he can only Mm -hmm. make them look the way that he wants to. Well, as a co
0: writer, he actually could control what could he? Feige would just let
1: him, you know, brutally kill people, (laughs) you know, depict it however he wanted. Like, I, you know, there's, um, I think that he had less liberty than someone like Taika, probably. Yeah. Um, based on the two films that I saw. And I feel like Taika's liberty that he took really doesn't actually do anything besides reinforce like the Disney conglomerate, like line Mm -hmm. of thinking, which is like populist toy sales and like vapid emptiness to bring back characters and uh, cast a new character that uh, younger demographics can agree that they, um, you know, are seeing themselves in the film at some point, Mm -hmm. Um, which isn't empty, but it's like, for me, Jane actually did originally mean something when the first Thor came out. Like that was really actually something that I was not too impassioned about, but I was like, okay, that's like a real person that he cares about. I even liked Kat Dennings. (laughs) I I had all sorts of things when the original Thor came out and by Ragnarok, I was like, this is all over. None of it matters. Mm -hmm. You know, we're moving in a different direction. And then to resuscitate, both of them and Stellan Skarsgard's character here, even in those just brief moments, but a long sequence for Jane, obviously. It just I didn't it it rang completely hollow. Um, in a way that things haven't completely rang that hollow before. Even though I don't really like the Wanda angle, say in Doctor Strange, it didn't feel hollow. But the Jane thing, like it just felt forced the entire time. Did it have a meaningful, like emotional quota to you did did you feel like it was paying off on something that you were waiting for or
0: um so here's the thing uh you said you cared about jane and thor one i did not um i she well, well not you, i'm literally to... talking a decade ago yeah right like
1: yeah. over a decade ago now whenever it came out i saw it in theaters i loved it jane i was convinced was a real h- human character that he was in love with I and that was, was not a great layer to his character well wow. <laughs> i I saw I
0: mean I saw that in like what two thousand twelve because I didn't see it in theaters, but it was the first thor uh Thor was the first marvel movie i saw i saw after I saw the Avengers, which was the first one that I'd ever saw ever seen um and Seen't. i yep there you go um and I just one of my main complaints about thor is the weight that they give the thor and jane romance and which just completely falls flat for me because i couldn't buy jane as a character because i was like you're just writing this person as a love interest even in like she's doing her own plot things but that's really only so you can be like look we have a well-written woman character who's a scientist and is smart and is a independent woman whatever i don't know she was i i like natalie portman's great no no shade to her um but I just re- didn't really buy that at all. And then in the Dark World, she was literally just a plot device because she yeah. was infected with the ether, and they were like, "Oh, we have to save Jane." She didn't have anything to do on her own. So I and I so I understand why Natalie Portman did not want to come back for Ragnarok, also because she wanted Patty Jenkins to direct the Dark World, and then they said, "No, we're going to go with Alan Taylor," and then it stunk. Might have stunk with Patty Jenkins too after Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. Who's to say? But um, so I actually. I think I'm on the flip side of you where I um felt like Jane was actually more of a real person in this one not to say that it was great and I was like yes she's the best character but it felt like she was doing things more on her own like she actually had a legitimate arc in this instead of her just doing things to help Thor um because, like, even in the first one where she actually did things to advance the plot, as opposed to Thor The Dark World, where she did, again, nothing except poke something and then get infected. Um, like, it still doesn't really feel like she had any, like, she didn't change at all in Thor 1. It was just kind of the same static character. Whereas in this, I'm like, okay, you're, well, I don't know. I felt I felt she was more dynamic here. Not Again, not to say it was perfect, um, but... I actually thought this was a step in the right direction for Jane. but
1: That's, I think, where I just completely disagree with this sentiment of bringing her in at all. Mm-hmm. Like, we we should have just ended there and, like, you want to go after a love interest, like, let's go after a new love interest and start a new arc. Because I think that you even said this at the beginning of the conversation, nothing actually happened here. That the end of the film, Thor is exactly who he was, kind of at the beginning of the film. Yeah. He's just got someone named oh, love God. to kill with who's incidentally his real life daughter which yeah, is fun cute. for him but it's really annoying and empty for me because it's like this film went through all the logistics of bringing jane back just mm-hmm. to kill her
0: yeah okay and yeah no like, i mean i i agree with that um like i
1: at, at some level what did it actually accomplish right not no, just in the m c u but as a film, what did it accomplish it It resuscitated a previous entry's character that was written out and brought her back just so that she could die and essentially deliver nothing besides allowing the casting of Chris Emsworth's daughter in the film with him. That's it. That's the whole yeah. thing.
0: no, I agree with that like i I think it was not uh um I think well it's i if part of part of the issue i feel like is that um both gore the god butcher and you know jane as mighty thor where she has breast cancer um like those are very weighty things um and i think you know from my understanding of the comics they're also handled pretty treated pretty seriously in the comics and Taika's like sensibilities are kind of like, let's just, like, these are silly movies. Let's just, I don't care. Um, which is, like, he can do dramedy very well. Um, in the past, he's done that. But I think, I don't know, it kind of felt like he was just sleepwalking through this a bit and being like, let's just throw things at the wall and I'm going to have a good time and say, fuck it, who cares about all of these things? And so as a result, none of those more emotional beats really landed because he didn't try to build up anything there. It was like, yeah, we'll bring her back. And again, I thought she was more of a character in this one than she was previously. But like you said, what impact did she really have? Um, and then with gore, like that, uh, you know, same complaint that I was talking about earlier, like having someone call it be be called the God butcher and have him really hate the gods and really have uh that, that could be a really interesting way to make thor question his authority and his role in the world and i think that they don't they don't do anything with that it's it's nothing i mean it's it's just there and it was like you know we're gonna take these two really well-known comic moments and adapt them but we're gonna take away any of the gravitas uh, that they right. had exactly yeah.
1: um <clears throat> there I, so i I don't know that this version of Thor would ever get me on board with the Jane breast cancer becoming mighty Thor thing. Um, just this current Canon, maybe like a deviant timeline or something, but I just, I, I can't really buy into that. I could have bought into gore very seriously, but I, I, I don't know what you think of this and I'm probably just uh, on an Island alone, but at some point through these, however many films there are as we're traveling the multiverse and the cosmos, I'm a little bit tired of every main villain speaking the exact same language as our heroes. <laughs> like at some level, I want them to speak a different language and read subtitles and have them feel like they are of a different culture and, and, that really showed up for me with gore where it's like this guy is living on a desert planet and his daughter died and he's speaking in english like it doesn't really none of the stuff that they're trying to set up really feels that way and i don't have that complaint when we go to the god world and we watch russell crowe speak english because zeus is like a earth god Mm -hmm. and we see those other gods in the council sitting around each speaking in their own tongues. And it's stuff like that. That's like a little bit star Warsy where I actually appreciate seeing the other culture of the galaxy or the multiverse, whatever it is at this point. Um, And I really just am being driven like, and I, I don't even know. I just can't take anything seriously at this point because all of these monsters and villains that are coming from the far depths of the galaxies speak perfect English when they show up
0: well I will tell you at least in the guardians of the galaxy movies if you see when they're like getting processed through the prison and the first one there's like um I think there's at least one moment where it's like implants universal translator so the yeah. guardians no, I remember have an that. excuse yeah, yeah.
1: And I actually uh, have other points I want to make about Ragnarok and galaxy against like a film like this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, that's not a complaint that has weighed heavily on my mind, but now that you bring it up, I'm like, that would be cool. I don't think it's it's, I definitely don't, I I definitely am not as, um, like I definitely haven't thought about it as much as you have. Um, and I don't think my enjoyment will be ruined by everyone continuing to speak English,
1: but sure. It would be cool. Earth's mightiest he- heroes speak in English. I can, I can see that not mm-hmm. all of them because that just seems absurd, but I mean, largely I can see that, but like, I don't know, from the furthest, most distant galaxy and multiverse, I, I lose a little bit, just lose it a little bit. Um, but, um, Yeah. So the points that I was alluding to a moment ago about Guardians of the Galaxy and Mm -hmm. Thor Ragnarok, it, and why I really still like Thor Ragnarok is it felt kind of punk rock. It felt Mm -hmm. very, uh, like teenage, like the, these aren't your parents superheroes type of a thing. Like it, it was just very fun and spinning the MCU in a little bit of a more, um, angsty direction. And Thor Ragnarok is like a complete stripping down like Disneyfication of what I thought Taika style was, you know, um, depending on your sensibility, you do or don't like Jojo Rabbit. But at some level, the I like it. overwhelming joyfulness that he depicts Hitler with is absolutely hilarious and um, at a meta level, like just very delicious to someone with my sensibilities, um, knowing how angry it would make Hitler um, Mm -hmm. to be depicted by Taika and all those different layers. Um, and so there, there's a little bit of rebelliousness to most of the films from him that I really like. And I didn't get any of that sense here. And, you know, he actually wrote this film. And so I thought Mm -hmm. that there would be much more of, um, that style present. I did, did you notice the difference in tonality or did it bother you at all
0: yeah well i think so to use your word i mean ragnarok did have that rebelliousness in it um and sometimes that kind of not all the time but, i mean sometimes i think it did go too far which i've talked about in my mcu retrospectives if anyone wants to go on drink slash tag slash uh marvel dash retrospective it's on there um but like there's some or you could moments- just
1: search like Whatever the name of the movie, yeah, is. Thor Ragnarok
0: retrospective pop it up. movies, yeah, whatever. Just Thor. Um,
1: Thor will pop it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, so and I think a lot of Ragnarok was refreshing. Again, sometimes I think it went too far. Like sometimes I was like, "This is," I, the Thor in Ragnarok is a very different Thor than we had seen last, and I'm like, maybe that's a little too fast. I think Infinity War is the best, the best Thor because he's got the humor, but he's also got like the gravitas but anyway that's the infinity war thing. is
1: the peak of the mcu you're correct
0: and i yeah i mean except for captain america winter soldier but um uh, anyway and then like um and in ragnarok like they killed off the warriors three who were if not big at least somewhat important parts of the first two thor movies they were just like gone like a in a snap. You're talking
1: about the superhero shazam
0: yes you're talking
1: about um gosh i don't ray know
0: ray stevenson ray
1: stevenson right who we'll talk about next in RRR.
0: yeah uh hogan who's a character that existed I don't and know who that is. yeah i mean the, again they were okay. not huge parts but they were like i couldn't remember if they'd killed
1: off sif or not but no
0: because she was busy filming blind Spot, so she couldn't do it
1: that's what it's called i was like yeah. is it blacklist that
0: she was on no nope. blind spot um Anyway, they killed them like really fast and basically Thor didn't give a shit about it. I was like, okay, whatever. But as a whole, I think the rebelliousness was very good for Thor and the MCU as a whole. And for Love and Thunder, I feel like that rebelliousness and the kind of, oh, I'm going to turn everything on its head kind of attitude that Ragnarok had just turned into an I don't care attitude.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, and it wasn't just that he didn't care. It was like, it was almost like all the Disney party lines were getting checked like mm-hmm. we want this for merchandise and we want this and we want this and we want this and um you know it does set up like you mentioned like the god butcher like how cool would it have been to see like 30 gods butchered in between yeah. each thing they're going to do to mark the passage of time mm-hmm. or how about a cut to whatever the hell the guardians of the galaxy were doing to set up guardians of the galaxy 3 mm-hmm. whoever they were fighting um with their search call right like none of that gets wrapped up and I know that they want to lead into other things, but when you introduce something within the film proper, it would, I especially like butchering gods or these distress calls, it would be interesting to have a sense of the world and how these characters are affecting it and what the outcomes of their choices are. And instead we end up with things where we spend a bunch of time with Jane and ultimately nothing happens. She goes back to being dead to us just as she entered the film. I, um, I. I'd, I'd, I mean, arguably the most important thing that happens to the character is uh, the action he takes with Russell Crow throwing the lightning bolt, and then the the end of the the film that cameo. Yeah, uh, which I after I saw it, I I almost sent you a gif of him. <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't want to ruin it.
0: <laughs> yes, I had, I had no idea because I mean for. Dr. Strange, like I was spoiled on basically all of those, but I really, I did, I avoided going on the spoilers subreddits this time and everything. So I had no idea. And then Brett Goldstein appeared and I was watching it with like a bunch of my friends who have also seen Ted Lasso. And we were all like, oh my God, like Roy Kent. Um, So thrilled for him, thrilled for him. Also, I just want to throw out there. I don't know whatever the, I don't know what the hell Russell Crowe was doing, but I have to say, I really liked it. With this little silly little accent i was like this is great More he was this. doing
1: an impression of how jared leto would play that role
0: oh and God. it was
1: fantastic i i absolutely loved it i i understand people not liking it but um but it was great and you kind of not, have so. to revel in the absurdism of yeah. it because like zeus is supposed to be a douche especially right. in the mcu um and so i or in the comics that I've read that a long time ago that had him, he was definitely not a cool God. Mm -hmm. And so playing him as that, that douchey um, guy that thinks that he's super important, that just wants to have orgies all the time is uh, a very funny way of doing it. You know, I I could just see him saying more, more olives, please. Between every, every
0: line. Also. um, So I was reading, so Lena Headey was supposed to be, I think in the, Pantheon yeah she got paid 7 million dollars for a appearance that was then cut from the movie. That's the
1: um, Game of Thrones lady, yeah, Cersei, C, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um what anyway. was she supposed to be? Couldn't tell you. I don't know. Some okay. god. Um she made but, 7 million though. Cool. Yeah. And then they cut her and there's something like there's some drama going on with it, which is why I know about this. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um there's some. Oh yeah. There's oh, I know suit. what you're talking about. She's yeah.
1: being sued by old agents yeah. for something that they yeah. didn't help negotiate. Yeah. Well,
0: anyway, but also Simon Russell Beale had like one line in that, and I was like, I know that voice, and it was Simon Russell Beale, and he appeared, and that was it. And I was really bummed, and they should have used him more. But I was like, look at that, the best actor, one of the best living actors is in a MCU film. Um, it wasn't live. It wasn't in it that much, but. Oh, well. What
1: did you think of the, um, what is it? The, the under shadow, the, the darkness, whatever it is that Christian Bale summons with his sword when he stabs the ground. How did you feel about the way that that was pulled off?
0: Well, I literally, I think the fact that I can barely even remember any of this is pretty indicative
1: Really? You don't remember bomb. him like assaulting an entire town? No, I remember
0: that, but I'm sword. like, could I tell you, could I tell you a single distinctive visual thing about that?
1: No. Oh, that's my primary point yeah. um, is which I, I do. I can see the aesthetic choice to make it almost indiscernible and in just darkness, but it's from what I could see on the screen, there was excellent creature design, um, I know that people are very so-so on the film that I previously mentioned, Zachary Levi starring in Shazam, but the uh, creature design in that film was just amazing. It was really, really cool to see the the way that they did it. And it seemed like the creatures that they designed for the shadow realm were very um, intricate and detailed, but you couldn't actually see them because of the layering of darkness and even when we go to the end of the film um or near the end of the film on that comet and he summons them you can barely see them and you can only see them when there's the close-up slowdown sequences of tessa thompson like stabbing it with lightning or whatever um but because of the stylized way that they depict those scenes um you you really can't even get a sense of it so i was kind of um other than all the other cg complaints i thought that that was a really um poor choice to make it so that your um rendered characters couldn't even be seen and appreciated in a film like this you know i mean think about dr strange and how cool some of those monsters were Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i will say dr strange i don't we i know i've been complaining about the quality of the visual effects in marvel but i feel like dr strange by and large had some banging uh images in there
1: it did. it yeah. also had that stupid tome scene that looked really bad to me at least.
0: Yeah. No. But then it
1: had the awesome um skeleton
0: um sequences. The zombie cape. Yeah. Yeah. That that um, washed away all of my other complaints. I was like, ah, oh, cool. This one did not have a thing where I was like, oh, this is great. Like this looks so much better that I've forgotten about everything else. Like I thought um when they were on, they were when they were fighting Christian Bale and it was black and white, and there was like the only cover color came from the weapons illuminating people i was like that's pretty cool um and i thought the um scene where when they were when gore was about to go ask eternity for his favor and everything and they were kind of in that i don't know uh liminal space thing that kind of looks like the soul stone area from infinity war is a visual yeah like an in-between
1: dimension thing
0: yeah yeah. Um, I thought that looks pretty good, honestly. Um, but I think because I, I believe a lot of this was shot on the volume, like the big LED screen from The Mandalorian. Um and it's been interesting because so I think um recently I feel like we've been seeing the limits of that. Um that makes volume. sense because
1: the cinematographer of The Mandalorian is the cinematographer of this film. I think it's his first film that he shot.
0: Oh, cool. Good for him. But um I think so I think the volume works very well in Mandalorian and I think it worked really well in the Batman. Um and then because that was it was also used extensively there but then in like for Thor Love and Thunder and then also in Obi-Wan Obi-Wan Kenobi which you know recently wrapped up I did not I think those really were not they did not look great. Um, so I don't I like I don't know much about the volume and how it's used but I just think it's very interesting how it can get um such different results for these different things aesthetic um, choices yeah yeah
1: um that's one thing that i've heard a lot about um especially on letterboxd in my comment section is people <laughs> telling me about how much the color spoke to them as someone who can't see it mm-hmm. could you maybe um outlay to me and just more broadly why the usage of color here is so important to the film
0: is it important? No. Does it look cool? Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> are you talking about like like the black and white thing that I was, when they were fighting Christian Bale or just in general?
1: Just in general. I can't see color. Yeah. So, um, um, I, and I've heard that not just there, but that throughout the film that it is um richly saturated,
0: I guess. Eh. So it is, but there's no like like depth to anything. Okay. Um,
1: that came through on the CG yeah. complaints that I had. Um,
0: okay. And so i mean i I am all for Marvel movies, Marvel movies having more color in them. I think that's needed um, but it it felt a lot of this felt very flat, and I think a lot of that was just like poor CGI like I think of um yeah like
1: the depth of field was just bad,
0: yeah it, and I know there's like a screenshot that's been floating around a lot on on Twitter, at least in my Twitter circles of uh the When Thor is gifted the goats, right? So it's like people tugging at the goats, and all of people are tooth grinder and
1: tooth nasher.
0: Yes, and all of the people are like the the people, the aliens that are doing that are are like blue and purple, and then behind them is also very bright colors. But it just it looks incredibly flat and lifeless. Um, So it is yeah. Like there's no rendered
1: space between them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, so that's everything colorful, felt like but- two-dimensional in the mm-hmm. backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching a lot of like 1950s films the last two weeks. And what they can achieve with just a painting and its depth of field yeah. compared to Thor. Um, just you know, anecdotally off of what I was watching, I was like, holy shit, this looks bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um and again, that's something that also is very frustrating because it's like on the one hand, more color, fantastic. On the other, that's not enough to make it visually interesting and engaging. Um, and it kind of seems like we've reached the point where it's just like, oh, a bunch of colors equals good cinematography. And you're like, no.
1: Um, it, am I wrong or did Ragnarok all, um, kind of experiment with all these different colors as well? Because yeah. to, to my eye, it aesthetically looked a lot better. I don't think that it really had great cinematography. I don't think Taika is really a great cinematographer outside of uh, a handful of scenes in Jojo Rabbit that I can think of. There's just really not great scenes that he's shot, but he does have some really compelling, very fun action cinematography, like the uh, Hulk-Thor fight sequences and Mm -hmm. how he'd move the camera um, from one of those characters fighting to the other. And I noticed that that was very absent for me here. Um, You mentioned the stylized thing where the weapons are glowing on the planet. And that just did not look half as good as those uh, Wonder Woman opening sequences do to me, you know, the, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. I don't even know what the proper way of um, saying those introductory uh, animated sequences are for the Wonder Woman films, but um, they're, they're really gorgeous to look at. And it just didn't touch that.
0: Yeah. Um, to answer your question though. Yeah. Ragnarok was also like part like part of the reason Ragnarok was so fun, it was like, oh, look, there's actually color in this movie. Cause um I think Thor One actually looks very good. I will defend Thor one until the day I die. But um oh, yeah, Thor, the, did a great job. Yeah.
1: It looks very um,
0: good. People are so mean about it. And I'm like, no, Thor one is great. Uh but the Dark World is like just a I remember it fondly. At. I haven't seen it in a decade. Yeah. But yeah. Um Thor well, the Dark World
1: is the best film in the MCU continue. Yep,
0: yep. yep. Uh-huh, <laughs> that's exactly what I said. Um So anyway, so after the Dark World to have Ragnarok come in and be this literal splash of color was like very refreshing. And now I mean like I said earlier it's the same thing but without any care. Um it's just kind of like, oh, this looks cool. Let's see what happens if I do this. And it's just like I, I don't know. Um I don't I don't want to be making assumptions or judgments about people's lives um obviously but part of me is like Taika you should just go back to New Zealand and maybe cool off maybe stop you know take take your take your thumb out of your ass a bit and I don't know out. if he
1: can back it down from his elbow that
0: far <laughs> um and go, go back to your roots and maybe stay a little humble. I don't know. It just feels like, uh, ah, this is a kind of a case of of
1: success, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, it very much feels like he was in, but he was in the hallway between his reservation dogs. And, um, what's the, uh, the boat one,
0: the boat one. Yeah, he has
1: another TV show that he uh, runs on HBO. Um, Oh, sad. our
0: flag means death. Yeah. Our
1: flag means death. Right. He's, so he's, he's like in the hallway between these two writer's rooms. And he's like, I got things that won't work in either show. Let's toss them in the Marvel movie. You know, like he's just, he's so busy that it, it really feels like he did not put the attention and care that he normally does into yeah. his films like Hunt for the Wilder people mm-hmm. or. Uh, jojo rabbit or even ragnarok where he actually had a depth of field and was very excited to like get these action pieces
0: yeah also i will say unrelated um i think the absence of loki was very felt in this i'm just gonna yes. put it out there he's the best when his face showed and up in
1: the uh the jokey retelling from yes. gorm or whatever it was like oh from yeah. Korg. Korg. yeah there we go it's
0: like oh it's the best the best marvel character Oh, he's not on this though.
1: I, I definitely missed him. I don't know that he's the best, yeah. but I definitely um,
0: missed him. Also, sorry, just to recap though, the cord thing where he was literally giving a recap um, at the beginning of the movie to catch everyone up to speed. It was the same thing. It just it treated everything so flippantly. Um,
1: yes, reductive.
0: Yeah, and they're like, I think that can be fine. Um, I think it's good not to necessarily treat everything <laughs> that came before in the MCU as like holy and untouchable because there have been bad stuff that came out of the MCU. Um, but it, it, there's also, I don't know, there is a balance where you don't just say, ah, like, who cares? I don't know. Like they don't, you don't have to completely throw everything out of the window. I mean, again, it was like a funny, it, like they played off the deaths of all of these people as, as funny, and I was like, I don't know, you're trying to establish that your character is, like, depressed and is pushing people away because he's so scared of losing people again. And you're doing it, you're couching it all as, like, haha, joke funny. Um, and so then that, you know, that came back to bite the movie in the ass because when he's like, oh, you know, I think I'd rather have someone and lose someone than not have anyone at all. That's like, okay, it doesn't land. It just doesn't work. Uh, because You're, everything's a joke and absolutely matter. right
1: but there, th- the one thing that i will say is that there are some jokes and some layers of comedy here that i actually did enjoy which is why i didn't have too big of a problem sitting through the movie but um i can't remember the name of the god who gets his head cut off now in the um eddas but um i, I think that it's even depicted in the most recent god of war game having korg's like mask not be tied to Valkyrie's belt or Thor's belt so that he could just flippantly chime in as they're doing these like Uh crazy demon battles. Seems like a huge oversight because you're trying to make it silly and then you're removing taika's voice of the silliness which i think would have actually made it like more enjoyable to hear him chiming in throughout and all it would have taken is you know a rope through his eye socket and then tying (laughs) him to a belt and then he could just chime in the whole time which would have been funny
0: yeah honestly i mean like i i feel like i've been really harsh on this movie i was like i don't know i smiled sometimes in the theater it was fine i honestly didn't hate the goats either i laughed at that even though i know a lot of people were like that's from Twenty fourteen, like that's such an old joke, the screaming goats. But I was like, I don't know, I giggled. Um, but then again, I did like the first person, three
1: so. times, but then yeah, it like kept yeah. going, and I was like,
0: all right, maybe like yeah. a
1: different, a different way of introducing the screaming goats.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, at the biggest, like what the fuck moment for me though, is the extreme prevalence of child soldiers in this movie, played off for laughs. That you're not a really- fan.
1: You're supposed to watch this on your rechargeable laptop and or phone in six months, which right. is, you know, built on cobalt, which is farmed from yep. child slaves. And so you're yeah. supposed to just get normalized to child slaves and child oh, soldiers. Well,
0: I mean, you know, you may be right, but when I see them in front of me, as opposed to just twiddling around on my phone, uh, it uh it was weird. I don't know, especially like again coming from the guy who made jojo rabbit i was like what's
1: happening what are you saying
0: yeah because no what is he saying saying, he wrote it it's like what are you
1: saying with your words here dude like right
0: and it was i mean and also the fact that thor you know at the very end of the movie when he goes to rescue the kids that Gore took um including the kid that they made heimdall's son because they were like shit we need a guy who could have heimdall's powers but we killed him off so Lee has a son now Whoa, oh man that was ugh, pulled that one out of their asses but um
1: right and that's why to me that that thing i was saying about like the disney party line like w- we've been hearing a lot about seeing yourself depicted on screen well now mm-hmm. disney's like oh we're just gonna put children's soldiers
0: yeah on screen
1: well, after they're yeah. imprisoned as so that they have no choice yeah. but to fight yeah like what what are you really doing and it's like i know that taika wrote it and uh that other gal wrote it but like it just feels like this is disney's objective um from a top-down perspective and i just really find it detestable personally
0: like saying they're having the kids fight so the kids watching it can be like oh look Yes. I could also. F- okay. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and the narrative of um of Hemsworth's daughter that she has. Yeah. Where it's like your dad died to save you after making a bunch of bad choices, so now the guy that talked him out of killing all the gods, who is also a god, is going to say to raise you to kill people.
0: Yeah. Instead of gods, it was fucking weird. Also, sidebar. Um when Chris Hemsworth or Thor was like, no, you shouldn't kill the gods. He did not. I don't think he gave a single reason not to. There was no interrogation of what any of this actually there's no philosophy. Yeah. Right. And like, again, that's a very interesting thread that you could pull on. And it's specifically for Thor, who is himself a God and has throughout the movies struggled with his power. Um, and I mean, I've complained before about his arc is just like, I'm worthy to be king now. I don't want to be king. I do want to be king now. I'm not going to be king now. I'm going to hand over my kingdom to a functioning alcoholic, uh, whatever. That's a whole nother issue. Again, I touch on it in my Thor Ragnarok perspective retrospective. Um,
1: Which you can read by typing in Thor Ragnarok at yeah. the movies.
0: But God, where was I going with this? I just started complaining. Um, yeah, I've forgotten where I was going with that. Uh, but, it's an initial
1: complaint oh, that you had from yes, previous
0: books. Yeah, because there, and there's like, um. anyway, so the idea of having this guy go around and kill gods should be very interesting when your main character is a guy who struggled with his responsibilities for all of the movies, even if his struggles don't always make sense because they just change at the writer's whim all the time and now he wants to be a dad to a child yeah right yeah they're like okay in a montage about thor and jane's relationship we're going to show one child and this will be enough to signify that thor wants to be a dad
1: No, no 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 you forget about the ridiculous um time that he's walking on the sidewalk and he looks through the window at a stroller longingly you're forgetting about that deep story plot point
0: yeah okay my bad that's on me um like that was just so weird and also i'm like okay what are they going to do in the future because i they're not going to put another i don't think they're child soldiers soldiers.
1: they're going to use america chavez they're going to use love they're going to use Haley steinfeld's not a child we need more children to okay commit war for disney
0: okay That's a, I mean, I, yeah, totally sign me up. Um, But I, it's just, that was such a baffling part of the movie that like I had at that point, I'd been coasting along of being like, okay, this is entertaining enough. Um, And, you know, I'd been admiring the arms of everyone involved because they all looked jacked as hell. I was like, good for y'all. And then I got to that point where Thor gives the children, his powers briefly and i'm like okay a why Why did you never do
1: this before like for all of wakanda maybe (laughs)
0: right do you think that could
1: have like won the war like instantly maybe in Uh infinity war at least against everyone but thanos probably
0: um yeah so a why didn't you do that earlier on adults um and b what what's happening it was it took it just took me out of it so much especially because it was like, ha joke, here's a kid, like, killing people with her stuffed bunny as a joke. I was like, I, it was just so baffling, like, I can't even have a response to in, in it. In a, a different like, genre, yes. like, a
1: proper horror genre, like, where a child is, like, killing, like, monsters with her bunny, like, I get it. But within the yeah. context of, like, everything that yeah. the film is um doing and Disney at large it it just really feels weird the one thing that I will say had the the most interesting well-developed and well told relationship throughout the runtime of the film is uh Thor's relationship the stormbreaker I was very surprised <laughs> that the, the most significant relationship arc in the film was between the god and his weapon
0: yeah yeah um what a what a complimentary thing to say, huh? Yes. I just, Not insulting yeah. at all. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, listen, the mere existence of stormbreaker is kind of oh, this again, this goes back to my point. Thor just like ping-pongs all around in each movie because at the end of Ragnarok he was like, "I have accepted my power. I don't need a hammer." And then in Infinity War he's like, "I have to go on a side quest to make a weapon." And then this one he's like uh, I don't know. And then, well, and and then at the one, end of Mjolnir's Ragnarok back. he
1: plants it, right? And you're like, why did he plant it? Or was it Guardians what? of the Galaxy? I don't remember. Well, he plants Stormbreaker, remember? This is
0: not the beginning of this movie.
1: No, he planted Stormbreaker uh in a different film.
0: Mm,
1: no yeah. Comment. Yeah, with Groot. What? He definitely did.
0: No, no, Groot made the handle in Infinity. Yeah, War. and then he
1: like he stabbed it into the ground
0: in a different film. I'm mm-hmm. like super sure that i saw that before didn't i you saw it in the trailer for thor love and thunder
1: i don't know all right well i'll leave that to you to get back to me okay okay um was there any other points about thor you wanted to make or should we get on to Oh
0: gosh um uh, (laughs) it's just i don't i'm very frustrated because it phase four so far has really felt It's it's not serving, not very good. Yeah, Um, and like I mean, I like Shang Chi. I like Spider Man. Um, I liked parts of some of the shows, but I think
1: I like Doctor Strange. Oh
0: yeah, I I did did like Doctor Strange. I mean, I still had a lot of issues with it, but overall, yeah. And I like. I mean, I've liked parts of almost everything, um, but as a whole, it just it feels like they're doing way too much, and Simultaneously is, doing nothing. Yeah. Yes. And the quality is suffering. Um, I don't know. Like I, I think back to like even phase one when they were just figuring things out, it just felt like everything had so much higher stakes that they really cared a lot more. And now it's kind of like, eh, who cares? We're going to make a buttload of money anyway. So we're not actually going to put an effort. And it's really frustrating because I'm like, I listen, I'm a big fan of you. Obviously. And I've spent a lot of time writing and talking about the MCU, and it's getting like harder and harder to forgive really you. Really support that. Oh, thank you. That I appreciate that. Um, and I well, just no, I was to, saying
1: that it's hard for you to forgive them for their oh, mistakes. Yes,
0: yes. Um, so I just want to grab Kevin Feige by his stupid little baseball cap and be like, "Stop it." I could fix this. Let me fix it. Whatever.
1: <laughs> I, I think that to me, just at a broad point, they've never been less self-contained than they are now. Like mm-hmm. when I go into a Marvel movie, I don't really actually care about the movie anymore because I know that the movie is not just about itself. It's about everything else. And back when it was first beginning. And and I, I think for quite a while through the 2010s, you'd go into a Marvel film and you'd be like, what's going to happen? And you would feel like anything could happen, but now you feel like you're just getting the, um, the cliff notes in each movie to whatever the next major thing is. Um, And so I think that's my, my towering complaint.
0: Yeah. I I feel like this movie was not nearly as egregious about that. I mean, except for like the post-credit scenes, but that's like their entire purpose is to tease. Um, But like the movie itself, I felt like was pretty,
1: Yeah, it just doesn't feel self-contained because um, it's bringing in characters from the other films that end up having nothing to do with the outcome of the character. Um, I just don't buy into Thor actually being affected by Jane. That's just my own um, distance from the character at this point. And um, I think I read sequences like the God area in the middle of the film as setting up the rest of the mcu and the next thor whereas maybe you read it more within context of the film but there's just multiple sequences like maybe introducing the technology of stormbreaker um, being a bifrost traveling device um, in that manner of like allowing a ship to be led um, seemed like something that was convenient and probably going to come back in the future just stuff like that i didn't really read as self-contained
0: I mean, the thing is, I don't, I don't, I don't think Marvel generally, I don't think Marvel plans as much as people think they do. And it's just like, they'll put this thing out there. And then if they need to, in the future, they'll look back at this movie and say, okay, we need this like to travel from the Bifrost. We're going to use this thing now because love and thunder said it, but I don't necessarily view it as a specific setup for the next instance where they need to travel by Bifrost, but you know, that's just me.
1: Yes. Um all right well if nothing else let's get on to triple R. Re
0: yourself for all. Re sus for the team in nakda ah, baitha yanta sepo. po kumbhastrana badla <laughs> pala
1: All right, Anna, this is, um, one of my first, what is it? Tele- Tallywood. Tallywood. Telugu yeah. is the language though, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. This is, so this is one of my first Tollywood movies, if not the first one ever. Um, what did you think of this film?
0: I mean, like, listen, I had a, I had a blast. Um, this is like, uh, well, you know, i the marvel movies i some of them i have a blast in but at this point i get i just get so like into the down into the uh dirt about like the details and everything i'm like oh, well, this is annoying because the character drugs and everything and this was like there's no baggage about anything it was just like here to have a good time and have some great dancing sequences and i was vibing i had a great time i was really mad um because i just i watched it on my tv at home and i know there had and I had tried to see it in theaters when I came out. And I just like couldn't make the times line up. Um, but I know I would have had even a a bit be- an even better time in the theater. But I still had a pretty good time on my couch alone in my apartment.
1: That's um, a ringing endorsement. I think that I had <laughs> less of a enraptured time than you. I really um, was taken and kind of surprised by. Uh, much of the stylings, I appreciate a lot of what it did. I don't think that I read it quite as favorably as you, or mm-hmm. maybe I'm just less forgiving of things like CGI and you know the the technical um, hangups that I have. Which you know, at some level, you have to acknowledge the budget of the film. Um, right. But I I do have certain things that I always look for, like the quality of fire and CGI, which was not very high here. Um, but it it is as you said very um fun filled with dancing and mm-hmm. busy and i i did appreciate that about it um i also i i don't know that i like but i at some level respect the revisionist history narrative of the film i don't think that i read the characters um the way that everyone else does um I I think that there's a little bit more happening under the surface of the film that is questionable about what exactly it's saying. Like we were just talking about with Thor. Um, Mm. But I don't have a complete understanding of the history of that area. So I I can't really assuredly um, make those sentiments here, but um, yeah, it's loud, it's bright, it's bombastic. And there's more than one tiger scene. So yes. at some level, uh, how could you go wrong? <laughs>
0: yeah, I definitely think, um, like I didn't have as much of an issue with the visual effects and RRR as opposed to Thor because I mean, a Thor has a much had a much bigger budget, um, and like B,
1: eighty
0: times probably yeah. bigger. Um, I think Thor is like two hundred million, and this was like what seventy million. Um, oh, was
1: it that much money? It was that I, much because it, it was
0: the most expensive. Tollywood film made, I believe.
1: Um I wonder what the movie's budget is without um marketing.
0: Okay. It was made on a budget of 72 million dollars. It is the most expensive Indian film to date.
1: Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I am much less forgiving of it then. <laughs> I thought that it was made for a lot less money. Um so well,
0: but um I'm more forgiving because a it was less expensive than Thor, even if it was not cheap. And be it felt like not uh it felt like there was like a just a playfulness about the whole thing that i was like you know i i it doesn't it didn't need to have perfect visual effects um because it wasn't it was just it I wasn't was trying playful, to necessarily
1: right. be that yeah um yeah. yeah i was thinking it's maximalist absurdism like every layer of the film is just wrinkled with absurdity yes from the the saving of the child when they do that hanging feet on the bridge and they amazing they wet the flag and wrap it around him like it's just and and it's not just absurd it's like the most amount of absurdity you can get while still having forward momentum yeah um i mean god the well i i think my favorite kill is he shoots the guy but the arrow stops in the tree and then he runs and up he- and he <laughs> kicks, kicks it in. the arrow into the guy's head um after it narrowly misses his eye. And it's not good CGI, but it's just very satisfyingly stupid. Yes,
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't have nearly like the same gripes that I do about Thor's visuals with this one. Cause I'm, I was like, yeah, this is movie is Setting out to have a good time, and I'm having a good time. But like, I mean, like you said, and I to cannot-
1: celebrate facial hair, it's really yes. at its core, it's a celebration <laughs> celebration of facial hair.
0: <laughs> and like you said, I mean, I can I cannot talk at all about the historical events behind this movie. Um, like I did some Wikipedia ing after I watched this, but I could not call myself an expert by any means. So this was, um, you know, I wasn't really looking at this for any historical accuracy or anything i was like this is oh yeah a i frolicking guess all good time before not, we not continue to be like, i know it's an alternate history so it's not like accurate but even
1: well that's what i was gonna say is before yeah. we continue we should probably outline what the film is right um r r r is um oh boy what's what's the terminology for it again rise revolt and
0: resist is there a resist in there
1: That sounds right. So it's, it's some of those words. Um, and it's a hundred percent accurate retelling visually of the history (laughs) of two celebrated revolutionaries, um, in the 1920s of their home country, which is like an undefined India, Pakistan, um, maybe more, I, I couldn't really determine if there was other countries that were being wrapped into this. Um, But I I did get the sentiment that there might be other um, nations or island nations being wrapped into this. Um, But it in fact is not historically accurate. It is an enormous fiction um, of these two friends from two different faiths and two different homes coming together to resist the empire, which is. Aren't
0: they wait? Cause beam was not actually a Muslim, right? So aren't they actually both?
1: Um, that was a line
0: he said i'm not actually muslim so aren't they both oh
1: did did raju say that he was not muslim i thought that he was depicting like a pakistani um character so
0: well beam is
1: the fellow that has um a a full beard like the entirety of the film um and he was he never said that he was muslim but um the other character raju is that right um yeah who had a mustache and was like the greatest warrior ever during the police station scene. Um, He said that he was Muslim. um,
0: Okay. I didn't catch that.
1: And that happened when he showed up in his um, police officer uniform. Um, Do you remember that like confrontation scene? And so I don't know that I'm correct. I I don't know that my reading's correct. I don't know that the translated version we got on Netflix is even correct, but the, my reading was that it was kind of like a marriage of these two places of Pakistan and of uh, India. But I, I might be wrong, but that's just the way that I had read it.
0: I, you I, you might be wrong, but you might be right. I don't know. I couldn't tell you.
1: Yes. Um, so anyways, <laughs> Ray Stevenson is at the center of our film as the yes. um, the evil a Scott Buxton mm-hmm. and he has a tremendous rifle with a glorious scope on it and an evil wife who I do not know the name of. Um and they kidnap a Catherine. child. Catherine. Catherine. And uh they kidnap a child and that kind of is the
0: Oh sorry. Um, um they pay for it actually. They they throw some money at the mother and they're like, we're gonna take your child. So it's totally fine. Totally yes
1: high. um that is one reading of the film mm-hmm, the other mm-hmm. is that um the daughter had decorated her hand and that they were paying for that oh. um and then they just took the child without any negotiation at all and so i would call that kidnapping um
0: i, know, know. I, I would i would also <laughs> agree it was a little uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it was voluntary
1: <laughs> yeah um and so the rest of the film is the pursuit of getting her back um, by Beam, who encounters Raju, who is one of the greatest warriors of all time, um, yeah. and can fight roughly 20,000 men in single hand-to-hand combat and win yes. easily. Yes. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much the film. Um Yeah. So building off of what we've said before, what do you think? Do you have favorite scenes? Do you have things you want to call out? Oh what do you gosh. think of Tollywood? There's all sorts of angles to go with here.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I will say that. So the version on Netflix is in Hindi. And I was, I tried to find the original Telugu version, um, which I know is the one that was in theaters. Yeah. I think it's streaming
1: large. on a service, but yeah, it's was like streaming really a, hard to get to. It's yeah. I was P's streaming on an,
0: Yeah. It's like a, Um, service that's like mostly Indian content and it was like and I tried to find a free trial and I couldn't so I was like well I'll go and I'll listen to the Hindi version but um, I did want to call out my uh, two favorite scenes one would be the ending of act one when they go and they um, beam has this truck full of like wild animals and they charge into the governor's mansion and then he leaps off this truck with his like guns and weapons and everything and all these tigers and everything just leaps leap out behind him so that's you're you're bringing up something
1: that is one of my favorite like things that happens in this film which is we go do things and we have no idea what they have anything to do with like he he's getting a wolf to chase him early in the film like Mm -hmm. i don't know who this guy is i don't know why this is happening. And then Great the wolf get, gets his ass kicked by a tiger and then beams chased by a tiger. They kidnap the tiger and we just go to a different scene and like, we don't have time to go, what was that all about? Like, why, why did we just watch that scene? And then that same thing happens with the, a young boy who's like, oh yeah, I can shoot things from 20,000 yeah. miles away under the sea and uh, hit him square in the eye. Um, so mm-hmm. the way that those payoffs happen, I, i really love but continue with the siege on the palace
0: oh no i just want to say that was i literally i think i was sitting on my couch and i think i like squealed with joy because i was like <laughs> this is so cool <laughs> um, like just absolutely absurd and absolutely magnificent and then like the tigers go around like chomping on the british officers there and like the there's some deer that like impale people on their horns um Oh yeah, there and was a like, horn
1: used in the main fight against uh, Stevenson, right? Or no, no, it was the the bad guy that had the key that he yes, slams yes. his arm down on and then oof, yeah, gets it. Was, and then um, there's yeah. another scene where Beam um, a, a leopard casually gives him a hug with its claws and he Mm -hmm. rips it from his back and he throws it as a soldier and i was like that's one thing marvel doesn't have
0: i know it's heroes wielding wild cats (laughs) (laughs) they simply do not have the balls to do that um and they should it would be much better but um i thought that scene i was just like having a blast in that scene and then also the second scene that i want to call out is the um dance the big dance sequence which one There's two. uh like the 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 first one like at the okay. the one in the e film. Wedding. yes right the one that's not the credit stuff which um, was amazing one of the best oh, credit yeah. sequences
1: this Absolutely. year if not the best
0: um when you know beam has been invited by what's her face the british chick so apparently baby i can tell you no jenny 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 who apparently, according to Wikipedia, that was originally supposed to be da- uh, Daisy Edgar Jones. Fun fact. Um, yeah. Anyway, but, and then people are ragging on him and Raju for not knowing, like, the, you know, stuffy, crusty British dances, and then they whip out this huge, extremely like, exuberant dance number um, and dance the socks off all the all the British people. Um, and it was so great it was just no notes perfect movie um and it was again like just absurd fun um really just like balls to the walls there and it was great because i sorry not to loop back to marvel again and again but i feel like Another thing is, Marvel has just gotten really like self conscious about what they're doing and like self reflexive and too meta about it. And they're like embarrassed kind of in a lot of ways by what they put out. Whereas this movie is just like, yeah, this is exactly what we're doing and we're going to do it at 110%. And it's so, it's so earnest in how over the top it is that it's that it just makes it so much more interesting to watch and fun. yes
1: it is loud and it is um unashamed and unabashed and how Mm -hmm. it is going about things um uh, not to get too philosophical with it but i will say that just seeing the reaction of so many people in america loving it Mm -hmm. and just like if you were to philosophically observe the film for like what is its core theme it's like the most second amendment pro movie i've seen probably (laughs) in my life it's like what is the purpose of everyone's lives it is to sacrifice for your people to go get arms from the imperialists (laughs) yeah so that you can bear arms against any oppressor that comes your way um and the like consequences of you not having those weapons to begin with um and i just thought that that was like a really interesting philosophical like theme that it has under it um about maybe contemporary Indian politics or however you want to read that. Um, and then just how much North American audiences have been and global audiences have been flocking to it. I think it's a very interesting like theme that people seem to not have any issue with um, and are simultaneously loving the, the film. I
0: mm-hmm.
1: w- won't get too political. I just think it's a very interesting note about how the film
0: plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it in that way, but, like, once you point it out, yeah. That's,
1: um, cause yeah, that's the Roger's, whole thing. I mean, literally,
0: yeah, Roger's entire thing is, like, I have to give the weapons to the people so they can... And
1: Beam's entire back. thing is, like, that's the most important, greatest idea I've ever heard in my whole life. I'm yes. willing to die to do that with you.
0: Yes. <laughs> and also, because, like, the, the you know, the in Scrubs, the guy love song, that was just you know the, the turk and jd sing like that guy it's guy love it's love between two guys
1: yes i right i haven't seen that well, in a anyway, long time but i lose that's, yes. that's the vibe yes
0: that was that was the vibe throughout it's the movie. definitely yeah
1: uh guy love definitely a, a dude love vibe
0: um <laughs> it was very much like a like a you know the the phrase like dudes rock you know it's a dudes rock movie
1: yeah it 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 is a dude's rock movie um thesis, and uh, I think it proved its point, yeah, um i I think that the choreography, not just of the dancing, which, as you called out, is great, but of all the action sequences, mm-hmm. is actually really well pulled off i I know that it's all preposterous, but i yeah. I was just very impressed by the physical feats that these guys are achieving with their heads in frame right this is Mm -hmm. stuff that if marvel did anything like this the back of the head is to the camera yeah it's a stunt person but these guys are pretty much in it to win it um and just about every scene and i i really respected and liked that and um it's it's probably the best choreography that I've encountered this year. As I mentioned, not just dance, but action choreography, um, which I'll have to remember at the end of the year because this will probably get my vote for best action choreography. Um as
0: it should probably.
1: The um, primary complaint that I have I will hold mm, off on going.
0: Oh no, I was just gonna say, um, speaking of action choreography, I was thinking like when I was watching it, the second act I was getting, I was like, oh, this isn't as interesting. Um because it was less, it was more talking and less people like fighting each other. Um,
1: Too many so guns.
0: Like, yeah. Uh, so I was like, uh, whatever. This is like less cool. And then the third act happened, and they go around and brought you on Beam's shoulders the entire time, like, and has these two massive rifles, and they're just like they do a full on Voltron. It's and I was like, never mind. All of my complaints have vanished. This is once again a perfect movie. And nothing—it has done nothing wrong ever.
1: <laughs> there's a a sequence in particular where uh, Beam is running, r- running with Raju on his shoulders, and he's like he's just reloaded, and then he there's like two guys at his arms level, and he like grabs them and punches them and like runs one through a stone wall while uh-huh. Raju's shooting people above him, and it's just like <laughs> one of the best pieces of cinema, like in a single scene yeah. that you could imagine. Like it's just pure glory and victory to the heroes yes,
0: yes absolutely <laughs> what were you going to say about your complaints oh, about this per- perfect movie?
1: so my my main complaint and i think that it takes the cake over all the other stuff, and it might just be um, part of the Tollywood style. Is just mm-hmm. tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of cut edits, where you're just jumping mm-hmm. frame, jumping frame, jumping frame, yeah. jumping frame. And whenever they hold the frame, like those dance sequences, or in the action mm-hmm. choreography, um, like the the large fights that Raju was in at that police station outpost those are like my favorite scenes and whenever they're doing that constant quick cut that's where it kind of loses me right like the moment of him throwing the leopard at the bad guy is awesome but that whole sequence is just so cut heavy that i it kind of bummed me out and pulled me Uh out of it Uh um and so that that i think is my primary complaint but i i don't know enough about tollywood to know if that's just part of the the mode that they kind yeah, of for the work course. in yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of like watching 1950s american films like you just know what you're getting you're either getting the drama or western almost right. unanimously and so I, do, I don't know if that's just how they work or if if that's um something more specific but it, it was a very controlled film which i was surprised by it's enormity um and absurdity but it's still really really controlled and it tells its specific narrative in a very um deft through line that um other films with much less going on cannot achieve (laughs) yeah
0: yeah it was really um uh, you know watching something like that just makes other popular american films not to name any names uh just seem like just there's where's where's the life you where's know. the
1: joy where's right. the um sincerity the earnestness mm-hmm. the the mm-hmm. willingness to swing big
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's why you gotta support films like elvis yeah thank you, you for know? and i TED did
0: su- i did support <laughs> i did support elvis and my parents supported it which i was shocked by um, fantastic it seems like did it, your parents like modern. elvis yes and i was very Good. shocked because i thought might not to get not to start talking about elvis but i thought my dad would be thrown by having my dad born in 1940 would be thrown by having elvis walking around beale street while like doja cat is blasting not that he even knows who doja cat is but no both of them i really was so
1: satisfied him. by that scene thank you for oh yeah it me rocked. It. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a natural segue from triple r to elvis um so within the tollywood genre have you had any bollywood
0: um exposure before nope um i think the only um i believe like the only indian films i've seen are uh the oh my gosh like the first movie of the apu trilogy Mm -hmm. pother panchali i think that's really one of the only indian films i've seen and honestly i'm going to tell you that was a screening for class and it was it was at 4 PM and I was exhausted and I did yeah, fall you asleep not your for best the last, I self. did fall asleep for the last like 20, 30 minutes. So I haven't even seen that in its entirety, which is very bad of me, but you know,
1: I, we all have our restrictions. I yeah. have my own. It, it is very difficult to pay the proper amount of attention to films and to like build, you know, your day into a schedule where you can really yeah. dedicate your attention um to them properly. Um, I, I also have just massive glaring blind spots, so I can't mm-hmm. really infer the differences here between um, like a Bollywood film and a right. Tollywood film, and I w- I was hoping that maybe you could tell me a little bit about it. I've seen things like Last Film Show, um, but that's okay, not yeah. really Bollywood, right? That's more of a yeah, I, a riff yeah. on, um, you know, an American too. Yeah. film. Um <laughs> Uh, There's a film like Fire in the Mountains, which is more of a documentary. Um, And then there's like American films like Hotel Mumbai um, that I've seen, which are, you know, just like American action films or it's an American action film, essentially just in India. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, I I don't feel like I can really make a a large comparison to um, Bollywood, but this film does make me more interested in, in both um yes, absolutely. those types of films. Um, I think I saw a film called Razi uh a few years ago that had kind of um soured my taste for um Indian cinema. Um I think it was like an India Pakistani film, and it was mm-hmm. like it felt like it was three hours long, it was probably two and a half. Oh my god. <laughs> um, and you know, you look at these um Tollywood and Bollywood films, and they all have these enormous runtimes. And I, I think that films like Triple R that are just relentlessly fun make it a lot easier for me to spend that much time um, within them. And there's other things that are more self-serious that, that are very draining to watch. Um, so that's a long way of saying I need to watch more and what I'll intend to watch.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, this definitely made me want to um, check out some Hollywood films because if they're anything like this, specifically from this director right yes absolutely like this guy he rocks i don't know anything about him he might be a terrible person but from this alone he rocks
1: i know two things about him he makes a very exciting movie and he appears to love porn stashes that is the two things (laughs) that i have figured out about ss (laughs) rajamuli
0: what more do you need to know
1: um well Triple R does stand for Rise, Roar, Revolt. Okay. And with that, Anna, I think we'll get on to our final film of the day, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy from Ryasuk Hamaguchi. All right, Anna, you finished watching this film today. I did. What is yeah. your uh, initial impression of this um, triptych uh, love affair type of a, a film of desire and deceit and love?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was a very competently made, very well-made movie. Um, I don't know if I was super emotionally invested in any of what was going on. Um not to say that I was disinterested, like I was still engaged, but I, um, it was more of like a clinical interest and like, I don't know, I wasn't really sure. An appreciation, not yeah, an investment. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, which honestly, so the only other Hamaguchi film that I've seen is Drive My Car. And that is also how I felt for a lot of Drive My Car. There were a few, I know, I know. That
1: was the best movie last year. What are you doing with yourself?
0: I just, there were, there were like, two scenes it was the scene between the younger guy and the main guy whose names I have not forgotten in the car and then the final scene where they're doing the checkoff play and I was like that's incredible and that was really moving and then the other for the rest of the runtime I was kind of like this is very well made I'm not super emotionally into it those that's two cool. scenes were like absolutely stellar though I was like if the rest of the movie could have been a, been a, in my opinion obviously as good as those scenes would have been like absolute top tier, but um, it sucks to
1: be you because it was
0: okay <laughs> <for me>. well <laughs> and I'm happy for you. um I wish I had liked it more, but I mean, I still liked it, whatever that's a whole different conversation. but um anyway, so I felt a lot of that same feeling for Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy," except minus those standout scenes that really made me be like, "Wow, this is incredible, at least mm. these two scenes um. I, and I also, I will say during the second one, when the lady, the, the character, the woman character was, was reading the erotic portion of reading the
1: high literature,
0: right? Sorry. It can high literature can be erotic. Okay. (laughs) The erotic portion of a professor's work to the professor. I like kept pausing it and sending snapshots of the subtitles to my friends and being like, look at this guy's. Not to Did be, you watch it on to, Canopy as well? No, I I paid three dollars for it on Amazon Prime to rent. Why would you do that
1: when you have Canopy, one of the greatest resources? Because um, I've forgotten
0: that I have Canopy. That's well, why.
1: <laughs> so I I guess I don't know about your subtitle experience, but my subtitle experience was very much like reading the block of words and then reassembling them to make sense in my head on canopy. Cause it would, it would be like, but comma, and then it would say like the end of the sentence. And then it would say the beginning of the sentence, oh. which is a direct translation of right. the Japanese. And then I'd have to like rethink like what they're saying. And there's certain sentimental portions where I don't actually know the order of operations to what was said.
0: Interesting. That's really interesting. No, I think mine were pretty like they were, switch to follow the grammar of English, whereas, you know, subject or object, all that. Um that's really huh. Wow, I wish I wish I had taken more linguistics classes in college. Um, because I think that would be really interesting. Cause I'm um yeah, no, mine was very straightforward. So I didn't have any of that, but I am, excuse me, I am curious um to know, you know, how something like that affects things, especially if you're reading Literature, like obviously translation, especially it's super from, important, right? And especially, you know, it's not like it's from, um you know, a romantic language like Italian to English or something where it's like kind of similar. It's like no, it's a completely different alphabet. It's a completely different writing style. Yeah. um It's
1: a different way of interpreting a word here, right. a word there changes the.
0: So, I mean, just the, the like, you know, by the time we've received it, it's gone through so many different changes. Like it is, and the amount that- of
1: subtlety to. Mm-hmm. I think the f- the the second two acts, I think the first act is pretty self-explanatory and and less there it leaves less to be interpreted. but the yeah. the second one where you know that the scene that you're talking about that starts with her reading this and her trying to seduce him. and then by the end of it, it turns into like this this verbal like intimacy. Mm-hmm. It, just the way that that plays out you know the words really matter there yes and i think that the same is true of the the latter portion
0: yeah yeah i agree um and there is that's interesting because you know like i was saying i appreciated this movie um but i do wonder like if i knew japanese like would my emotional connection be deeper um because there there is always i mean you know no matter what, there's always going to be distance if you don't understand the language that you're speaking and you're only understanding through subtitles, Um, which doesn't mean like, because I mean, I have had plenty of things that I've watched subtitles that have really affected me emotionally, but there's still like, you miss the nuances you miss, you know, if you're, you can't analyze someone reading a piece of literature, you can't analyze the prose used there because you're like, well, it's a, they have a completely different way of writing these things, you know, and structuring it, you can't be like, oh, well, because if the structure, it's a, I uh, can't even remember any of the words I learned in AP English, but <laughs> um, anyway, so that is, that's really, that's very interesting about your subtitles. I'm intrigued yeah, by that.
1: It's, um, it, it definitely made my brain engage with it more. That's yeah. one of the things that I do like about subtitles is that it turns, a movie kind of into the experience of like curling up with a really good book. If you mm-hmm. like the movie right. and watching this movie, um, what I did was I, I watched it on my laptop in bed. Cause I just didn't want to <laughs> like dedicate having to sit up and watch right, it late right. at night. Um, I wanted to be able to lay down. And so it, it really felt intimate. Like I was reading these short stories, which had visual aids, um and i just found them very beautiful you know it's certain people have certain things you have the mcu and reading uh hamaguchi's subtitles while i watch his films is just it's one of the favorite things that i've done in the last few years with cinema um so i i had a very very better time than you did
0: <laughs> <laughs> i still had a good time you know just to clarify yeah, it wasn't like yeah. The, this is
1: like time. probably the best movie i've seen this year from, uh, um, wow. including last year. So last right. year and this year, this is, this would be my, my number one, um, of 2021, 2022, um, that I've seen this year. Um, not what, better than drive my car. Obviously.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. What, so, what tickled your, your fancy so much?
1: I, I would say the intimacy of, The relationships that are being put Mm -hmm. to screen um those one takes are very casual they're not forced they're not 1917 absurd technical feats that end up sacrificing the stakes of the film i love
0: 1917 to pull
1: off a a very impressive technical feat instead it's like an intimate portrait like the scene in the car um Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the film where these two friends are catching up and the just out of focus depth of uh shibuya behind them
0: mm-hmm. is
1: just gorgeous as the car traces a line down the road and back and there the interplay of of these two characters as she listens to her best friend tell her that she just met and essentially fell in love with her best friend's ex-boyfriend yeah it's just deeply arresting. And it's so personal, um, that it really does feel like reading the best short stories. Like it feels like I'm reading a Raymond Carver short story, but it's being put to cinema or, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. Um, and I just really respond, especially to the storytelling modes of, um, short stories. And I think that they're really well suited in certain directors hands to be an adapted less so with novels because Mm -hmm. short stories are so um active tense and they're very visual and i think hamaguchi takes the appropriate amount of risks in adapting them and making them very personal did you have a favorite um of the three stories I've been stewing on that, and I don't think I do, because I appreciate certain things about them. Like, I think that that conversation at the beginning that I was just talking about is one of Mm -hmm. the most beautifully shot sequences in the whole film, if not the most beautiful. But I think that the conversation that happens between the professor and the um, student and the second is the most powerful conversation but I think the consequences of the conversation at the end of act three to each character are the most consequential and like meaningful of all the interactions that we see. So I think that each one really has its own literature type thing working for its characters and its Mm -hmm. moments. But um, yeah, I just was really arrested by the control that he had. And I mean, what a perfect title. It is kind of like a wheel and it is fortune and fantasy, like all the way through.
0: What's the um? Because isn't the literal translation different? Um, Hold on, I'm about to. Oh, Google it very this. well could
1: be. I hadn't. I looked believe, into any of it.
0: Yes. After watching Drive My Car, I
1: was like, I just need to take a break because this is so good. Chance <laughs> and imagination. Yes. Okay. That's that's also a perfect. Yeah, that's that's fantastic because the the beginning of the film is very much the best friend imagining what her future could be like. The second it is reliant on chance for its outcome. And the the third is simultaneously both um, mm-hmm. very effectively. And they use that. They use imagination with their chance meeting to change their, um, their personal stories and forgive themselves and kind of work through stuff. It's very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like these like deep romantic um, textual things put to film in this way. It's very Eric Romare. Um slice yeah. of life, um, singular characters being depicted over a transporting, um, day event or however you want to frame the time.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I, right. And I know is kind of like joking about the, um, erotic bits of the, the second one where she's just reading that. And I was like, kind of shooting the shit, but, mm-hmm. but like not really, because I think that was actually my favorite portion. Um, because of, like you said, like the verbal intimacy that these two people achieve. And it's, um, I don't know, that's like such an interesting connection um, because it's so deep, but they never, like, never do anything. They never touch. And there's specifically, like, i thought it was so funny when she started to read that and she and the students come out in the hallway and she goes to close the door and the professor just like really awkwardly reaches around her and opens the door it was
1: full like this is deeply uncomfortable awkward the
0: office moment it was awesome i was like that's great
1: yeah as Um, i was sitting there i was like this is so uncomfortable
0: oh yeah it was like
1: faster open the door faster get this over
0: (laughs) yeah um like i i think uh, but specifically, I think that like the my favorite part of that was when she finished reading it, um, that excerpt, and they just started talking like that that bit from when she stopped reading the excerpt and then led up to oh I'm recording you because I was trying to be a, a honeypot right that's what it's called honeypot honey trap yeah. whatever
1: yeah that's how it was translated was honeypot but yeah, yeah. honey trap is the
0: same idea um like that I don't know I for some reason that was very moving to me that just that little bit um and like you said i think like the long shots the long takes um that are used throughout this really are so good at at just letting the characters and the actors just like breathe and feel really lived in and intimate um with one another um and then there but there are also moments where it will very effectively like uh do like cut between where it's the characters are kind of looking almost directly at the camera and mm-hmm. they're talking to each other. Um, I mean, that's very, that's used very sparingly, but I think it, there's such a control over the way that it's shot that that was um, very, very impressive. I thought.
1: Yeah. I, I think that those, those jump cuts are like really well threaded because one, one, he changes the frame from both characters or or other characters or a background being in the frame to that character kind of being alone with what they're saying. Mm -hmm. uh, It adds this element um, that you can't get in a short story necessarily, or in a, a work of narrative that's longer by, by isolating them, you kind of make what they're saying feel like they're expressing something from deeper within themselves without having to say, I'm expressing something from deep within myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's very, it's something very special that he, I think is very good at. And it really spoke to me and drive my car, how he would frame the characters. Um, To me, the, the, not to talk about a totally different film, but the, the scene of the driver um, at her old home where her mother died Mm
0: -hmm. and just the
1: isolation and the far, shot of that it just mm-hmm. was deeply affecting and i think he does something similar here with how he shows the changing city um in act one through the the rear view um window of the car he never really is drawing attention to it but there's like all the these lights and construction happening mm-hmm. in the background and simultaneously both these characters are undergoing these major structural changes in their lives um so i think that it's there's like these elements that are really rich that are visually intuitive to the characters, but he's not really hitting our head with them. He's just right. presenting them. And if we want to add that into our reading, we're more than welcome
0: to, uh, what did you, this is a legit question because I didn't know what to think of this, but at the end of the first story, um, cause it ends with, with the girl, um, talking about the Hong
1: Sang Su zoom shot
0: yeah where she
1: does like the she yeah. does one thing and then the hong sang su zoom happens the digital zoom in and then uh it snaps back and then she's like back at the table and makes a different choice
0: no i love that though um, I did too. that was really cool um no afterwards because after she makes the choice to leave and not throw her friend's new relationship into chaos um the final shot of that Sequence where she leaves and goes and just like takes a picture of the city in the morning, and that's how it ends. um I didn't really know what to make of that because I just kind of figured it would end with her I, I don't know like it felt like a a a weird like coda to the movie, not weird, but it was like it was a very deliberate choice to end with her taking that picture instead of earlier where she when she had left and made that decision. It was like, no, we're gonna continue this just a little bit more. But I had really genuinely had no idea what to make of it. I was like, uh is it, uh, uh, I don't know, the city? The city's nice. It looked cool. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you had any thoughts.
1: My reading is that that's one of those things that he does for other people to put themselves in. Mm-hmm. Like, like, how do I want to read that? I, I think that it's really characteristic to the character i think it's just a behavior that he imagined that character would exhibit probably um but if i was to try to like get inside of that version of her that didn't tell the truth I, that that's like one of my m- maybe small hangups is that the girl that confronted her ex-boyfriend on yeah. an impulse that then left and ran away is now making that behavior change so um Maybe it's a resetting of control. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's exhibiting some sort of control over the city itself that she was just being driven through and was really at the whims of itself. Um, if I wanted to give it that sensibility, but at some level, I, I think that she just wants to be distracted.
0: Yeah. Okay, I literally, cause I was like, why is she taking a picture of the city? I don't know. Uh, cause others, I was like, yeah that's why that's why it ended here um mm-hmm. that one I was like hmm. okay well thank you one I thing that I,
1: I didn't like but I really appreciated was in act two where near the end um after we go forward five years mm-hmm. she's on the bus with um the boy that she was gonna honey pop uh with and um she declines to give him her card all that stuff and then she's getting up to go and she kisses him hmm and, like, I simultaneously don't like that for obvious reasons for that character, but I also love that, like, who that character told the professor she was yeah, is who she is. And, like, mm-hmm. that, that consistency and richness, I think, really adds depth. And the wrinkle of watching him watch her walk as the bus drives by is just very – it adds a really unique layer that I don't see very often in contemporary cinema.
0: Mm-hmm yeah um the man the ending of that one really was a bummer yeah i have to say i was like damn this poor this poor sweet professor man had to leave this this woman got a divorce oh my god um that that bummed me out
1: yeah and um that's that's why i i i just genuinely like literature that bums me out yeah that's I think why I like uh films like this and Romare's films um and just any slice of life film that's like really accurately depicting a human life and then it just kind of ends on a bummer I tend to be like that's that's great I love
0: that that's life yeah oh
1: man um you were talking a little bit about language and and how Mm -hmm. that translates um in the film do you think that the dialogue sequences um were were too trite or did you feel like you were invested in the whole time um through your translation
0: uh um no i think i i think i was invested um it like i mean like you know like i've said there's definitely a weird disconnect especially i feel like um if if a language doesn't follow like the grammatical structure of English like you know you're reading along with the subtitles and you're expecting the inflections to kind of go along with how you're doing it in your head and that doesn't happen yeah the
1: timing doesn't sync
0: right right and you're kind of like oh my god like what's going on here um but no I would say like I don't think it was too trite or anything um I'm trying to think of things um like, I, I, I didn't have an issue at all with the translation. It's more, you know, it's just a fun exercise to be like, wow, well, what would, you know, how does this happen? Like, how do we get from this in Japanese to this in English? Crazy, crazy talk. But I, I mean, listen, I had no issues, but I'm also not a linguist. So did you have any issues?
1: No, no. I. Um, well, I, I mean, I aside was from interested. the out of order. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, the out of order, I think, made me, reframe everything in my head um Mm -hmm. so it was like even more of a uh reading experience which i actually appreciated more right watching triple r it's like this is a description this is a description this is a description or direct translation and this there was a lot more room for me to infer and interpret which um i really like like having to contend with and comprehend the pieces of art that i'm interacting with don't get me wrong it's very fun to watch leopards be thrown at police officers. Um, but there's something very meaningful to, um, having to put yourself into the story and translate how you would interpret that emotion or sensibility, um, yourself, because it ends up putting you into the art instead of just being a bystander.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, you know, that's, um, meaningful and my sensibility, but it's certainly not everyone's sensibility. Um, yeah, is there anything else that you wanted to go over in the title? Was there any scene or character that stood out other than those that we mentioned?
0: Oof. Um, I mean, really, like I said, I think the second one was the one that stuck the most with me. Um, gosh, I feel like there should be. Do you have something else?
1: Oh, I will say that, um, the
0: final sequence,
1: um, mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of that character in the final sequence, but I did not respond well to her for about the first half of that portion. I was like, this is boring. She's just a character that's searching for someone. What is really the purpose of all of this? And then through the interaction that happens in the escalators and both of them thinking that it's someone that they know yeah. um, that really drew something out of that character and made me completely change my perspective. And that's something that I really like in film when I can have a reading or a emotion about it or a character, and then it changes what it's doing and it completely changes the way that I feel. Um, And that just really underlines what we've already said. Which is that he's great at controlling this film. Yeah.
0: I also I will say though about the third one. Um I thought it was really interesting how there was the the background was that like no one used computers that much anymore because of some virus. And it was just this like really interesting touch of of not really sci fi, but I don't know what other word I would use. Yeah, for it. like
1: like lo fi sci-fi. It, yeah it's like just a very like almost Cronenbergian thing, where just a detail yeah. of this world is yeah. that I read and all of my
0: husband's emails. Yeah, um, but like <laughs> that was we such order a,
1: Blu-ray animes because we right. can't them.
0: <laughs> physical media. Um, like that was so that was really interesting to me, and just seeing because obviously it was a very it was a very subtle thing because it was just part of the world, and people had learned to deal with it. So it was very interesting to see like the subtle ways that it affected people you know like she was for like when the main character was going to her high school reunion she was holding a slip of paper with the directions as opposed to like an email or something and it was not it was it never was something that was really discussed or had a huge impact on what happened Um, but it was just that little bit of world building that was really effective even if it was not you know earth shattering or had any huge consequences for the characters other than like well i mean like this woman read her husband's emails where he was thinking about his high school girlfriend and then this the other woman the main woman um currently doesn't didn't was out of a job because she works in it and couldn't do that anymore um but that was something very that i really appreciated
1: yeah i um that that's one of the elements that changed as as you figure that out it changes how The first half played for me things that seemed like just kind of unnecessary became very meaningful um if you remember after the reunion she just goes home or goes Mm -hmm. to the hotel room one of the two yeah and she closes the door and she just jumps on the bed Mm -hmm. and that's really inconsequential except for every film since iphones the person jumps in bed with their phone yeah And then Mm -hmm. gets on the phone and starts looking up the people that they were just at the thing with.
0: Yeah. And
1: here all she can do is sit in her own emotions and anxieties. Yeah. It's those little wrinkles. That's a great point that end up changing the reading of how, what you've seen actually plays.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was great. That, that point was great. Um, So, I mean, like I said, you know, even if I wasn't, super emotionally connected i thought it was very well done and i thought there were definitely moments of throughout the film where i was like wow this is you know very good um and i enjoy this aspect of it a lot yeah
1: i do too i think that as a writer he's incredible and as a director he i i I mean, this is only two movies in, but I just, I get the sense that, you know, this is probably one of our modern masters, you know, Mm -hmm. we've been wondering where they are. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Clint Eastwood, not really a master, but he's not long for this world. Sorcesi, (laughs) not long for this world. Spielberg, not long for this world. So it's like, who are the next masters, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Inaritu, maybe. Um, Del Toro, probably not. So it's it's interesting to see um global cinema kind of rise up and announce these new masters especially with streaming and how these are all available. Um you know it, it's going to be really interesting to see how um artists without the separation of countries are mm-hmm. able to become popular in nations outside of their own.
0: Yeah, I mean like I mean we were talking about RRR R RR, nah, 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 earlier and how popular that was and
1: it's you know, continuing It be. is,
0: yeah. And then, you know, another, obviously, a Hamaguchi film did, you know, got a lot of Oscar nominations. So anyway, but I I do very much, um, I mean, I think it's great that we've gotten more global with movies, especially, I mean, just on a personal note, because I would not watch some of these movies if they weren't, you know, it's just, it's so much easier. So I'm like, okay, well, if I wanted to watch Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, I just got to Plug it in, on the internet, and there it is. Boot up or canopy. R-R-R. Yeah. Um. So yeah, all good things.
1: Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to go over, or should we wrap it up there?
0: No, I I think I've I've said my piece. Um. Yeah. You know. Unfortunately, Tyco YTD not a, a new master. At least judging from his most recent that. effort. So we'll see. Tyka, if you're listening, you're on thin ice with me.
1: <laughs> we will see. Thank you so much for joining me, Anna. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant.